Blog Talk Radio. Radio on blogtalkradio.com, the premier source of sports and music entertainment, presented by the Radio program of Procter & Gamble. Make sure to visit the Radio Facebook page. Once again, Michael Gardner. Uh, joins me in a few minutes by the notorious Ben Florence. We're actually officially out of school, so uh, B-Flow of B-Flow 360 is in New Jersey, uh, starting his summer plans, so hopefully he can swing by and... Uh, and join us on the show as we are coming to you live from George Mason University. We officially have moved uh, from our regular Studio 111 over here on the campus of George Mason Fairfax, Virginia, by Radio Saigon. This is Fanatic Radio. Great show for you on hand today. We have the NBA playoffs in full swing as a bunch of tilt games are tonight as every series is tied up one apiece. We talk some interesting things about the NHL playoffs. And, of course, uh, we say goodbye to a, a great soccer legend in the second half of our show. We'll be in today with the MLB, which I'm not a really huge follower of. But needless to say, the MLB has admitted twice in the past, I think it's three days, for umpires missing calls. The first and most notorious for fans out there is the robbed home run, which would have given the Oakland Athletics the win. Go ahead, home run. Instead, the umpires ruled it a double. And so the Indians were able to win 4-3. to three. And then yesterday, Joe Torre and the MLB released a statement saying the umpires were wrong. It was actually the day after uh, Angel Hernandez and his crew failed to reserve an obvious home, uh, you know, observe, reverse an obvious home run by Adam Rosales after following a, a video review nonetheless. So now you have baseball with instant replay, and yet they still can't get it right as it cost them a mistake. The Indians ended up winning four to three. And then last night, the MLB admits. Umpires messed up again when the Astros played the Angels. Apparently, the uh, Astros made consecutive pitching changes without the first uh, reliever facing a batter. It was an experienced crew as well. So the Angels eventually won six to five, but still two miss mishaps in the past. Three days. It's telling me one thing how baseball is just going to the dogs. I'm not really a big baseball fan. I wouldn't necessarily see this as a bad thing. But think about what would happen if this occurred in the playoffs where it matters most. Just can't see that. Can't see that flying. It's actually very funny, though, because baseball is one of the few sports that, that instant replay was uh, actually frowned upon when all the the, the talks started. And now they finally get an history pledge to only review home runs. It has gone to complete shambles and making everyone in the front office look like a laughing stock. Because you can't admit those are pretty simple calls that it's imagine if an inexperienced crew could admit to doing that. It would be an absolute mess. And that's all our baseball news we have today. Moving on to the NBA playoffs. A couple of big games on hand tonight. We have 
Golden State and San Antonio. We'll get to that in a minute. And the uh, the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat. That is the first game, 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Game three in Chicago. Very interesting series because, like what has been said this year, the, uh, phys- the physicality of the physical dirty play of both sides end up having nine technicals the last time these two teams met in Miami as the Heat were able to route the Bulls in the best home win for Miami in the playoffs and the worst home, the worst playoff loss for the Bulls. Which is insane. One fifteen to seventy eight after Chicago stole one from Miami. Ninety three to eighty five. So again tonight. Miami will definitely win it. This is where they will take sort of the advantage as Luol Deng, Heinrich, and Derek Rose all not cleared to play. Joe Noah's out because he was ejected. And I believe Taj Gibson, who was fined twenty five thousand dollars, will not be in the lineup as well. So basically, Chicago evidently shot themselves in the foot, for lack of better words, just because they couldn't keep their cool when they were down, which is absolutely phenomenal. His game three, once again, is tonight. Interesting look, though, because even though Miami did win, Chicago could have at least put up a fight in home court advantage. But how having your best player, essentially your best player, and your and your all star this year, Dang was an all star. Having him out is definitely bad as well. So now as we move on to the San Antonio Spurs, so Miami will take these next two games. This is where Miami will win the series. Because, one, LeBron James is playing like the MVP he is, which we'll get to later in the show. A very interesting story about that. Also for the mere fact that Miami is like a runaway train that cannot be stopped. But here's what our good friends uh, TNT, Marv Albert, and Steve Kerr had to say, previewing Game 3. So right from the beginning, the officials were put in a very difficult spot. There were so many elbows and altercations and technicals. And in the end, Miami finally got their game going and just took Chicago apart. Biggest margin of victory in the history of the Miami in terms of playoffs and the worst loss the Chicago Bulls have suffered in their uh, playoff history. A total of nine technical fouls, six called on Chicago, including two ejections, three on Miami, and one flagrant foul. It was a basketball play. Also, it should be pointed out, and LeBron James had a magnificent game. 19 points all in the first half, but it was... His playmaking, his assists, a total of nine assists in the game. He took over the game early with his scoring, and then he started dealing in the second half. But the points in the game were really dramatically different. Miami barely got anything in the league in game one. Game two, they got whatever they wanted. They broke down the Chicago defense, making some three-pointers early in the first half, helped spread the defense out, and then LeBron just took over with his passing and so game three will be played in Chicago on Friday night, and then uh, game four in the Windy City next Monday. That'll be seen on, on TV. If you have a question in terms of game three, will Will Dang be back? Will Kurt Heinrich be able to make his return? And Derek Rose has an offense report that he might be in uniform for game three in Chicago. We have no idea if any of those guys or some of them or all of them will be back. But what we do know is if Derek does come back, Tom Thibodeau has a lot of decisions to make. Do you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? How do you play the Heinrich-Robinson combination? Uh, boy, a lot to, to digest. And, and Thibodeau doesn't have 
enough to think about following this blowout loss. And the question certainly concerning Heinrich and, and Dang and, and Rose, the conditioning factor. So it was more of Albert and Steve Kerr breaking down the game. Of course, those players will not partake in tonight's uh, game three. That was uh, Steve uh, Steve Kerr and Marv Albert for TNT and FNAC Radio. Interesting, Miami was. Again, Miami will completely... Speaking of LeBron James, he, re- he won his fourth MVP, which is fantastic. As he joins the, I think the likes of Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, or not Shaquille O'Neal, he joins the likes of Michael Jordan, the greats, which is also a fantastic uh, feat to be accomplished. And of course, I believe this is time, as we have a caller on the line. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. This is Notorious Ben Boris. He joins us here on Fanatic Radio. I can't believe we're actually making this work for the first time. I know. It's shocking. But it is, as you would say, fantastic. I know, right? Uh, how is Jersey? Uh, I don't know what that is, but, uh, yeah, I'm here in New Jersey, and it's, uh, it's pretty great. It's actually very warm out today. It's been rainy the last couple of days, but it's been beautiful out, walking around, no pants on. It's fantastic. Oh, jeez. All right, once again, I'm wearing shorts, bro. I'm wearing shorts. Relax. <laughs> uh, I see I see what you did there. We got away with that one. But anyway, we're talking about the NBA. Well, here's all, well, the thing we talk about, the thing I talked about at the top of the show, can you believe the MLB umpires have messed up twice in the last, like, three days? It, it's, a, it's a real problem. I mean, the first one was in the intermural rest. I mean, the first one was like, all right, Angel Hernandez is a garbage umpire. We all know it. You can't get rid of him because of the union. But he's just been, he's been garbage for years. But the second one was just completely absurd. You know, cause it's a blatant rule. You're not allowed to change pitchers unless there's, you know, a pitch has been thrown. The reason why that rule is there is because, you know, or else, because as – the uh, Angels put in, they put in the pitch hitter, then we have pitching changes until the, the end of time. And it's just completely original. I I don't blame Bo Porter at all. He's a first-time manager. And maybe he's trying to, you know, take advantage of the rules and try and pull a fast one. I got nothing wrong with that. But the umpires, they huddled together like three times. Three times. And <laughs> they, they still got, got it, it wrong. wrong. That's, That's oh. Awful. There is a real, a re- that's a real problem. Yeah, luckily that's only such the early points of the season. If that's the thing that happened like the playoffs or, or the postseason, you know, cause the past two seasons, baseball has come down to the last day. I feel like something like that really bad is going to happen deep in, like, September, yeah. and it's going to cost the team a playoff shot. That would, I would, I would, I would sue the league again. <laughs> All right, so now we're talking about the NBA playoffs. With basically every single Bulls player out for tonight, Miami's going to win this series, aren't they? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm not that surprised that Chicago stole the first game. You know, they they had their back against the wall. They came out and they completely grinded down the heat. And But then once it... Once the Heat realize, all right, we got, you know, we actually have to take this seriously. They go out and they beat Chicago almost by forty. I mean, that game was just a disaster. So, I mean, this game, considering how ravaged the Bulls are, unless Nate Robinson turns into, uh, uh, I don't know, um, right, I had, unless he turns into Jackie Robinson, Chicago has got no prayer. They got no prayer. That team, they could they could barely score anyways. And, exactly. You, know, you got Dang out. You got Heinrich, or not Heinrich, but you yeah, got Heinrich's out. They said they said Heinrich's out. Oh yeah, yeah, that is right. And then you got Rose, who's obviously not going to play. Anybody who's saying that he should play should probably be thrown in jail because there's no reason to throw him in right now if he's probably not a hundred percent. But, you know, the well, especially, especially against the, like the Miami Heat, that's absurd. 
Exactly, and they're going up against the Miami Heat. They already stole one game, which is more than I thought would be possible. So, you know, they should just be like, all right, well, this wasn't our year, but, you know, we still surprised a lot of people by getting to the conference semifinals with so many guys out. Yeah. I like the man. LeBron James. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking of LeBron James, won his fourth MVP. I'm sorry, who are the list of guys he joined? It's Michael Jordan. I'm I'm assuming Wilt Chamberlain. uh, I would say Bill Russell. I could be that. I'm going to look it up right now. Four-time NBA. I'm looking this up. All right, so. Never had these. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won it six times. Bill Russell and uh, MJ won it five times. And Wilt and LeBron have won it four times. For as good as he is, he could have won it six times. I could see that. Yeah, but he also played. He played for so long, and he was just a boss. Yeah, I could see. Le- I could see LeBron getting five. Because it's, it's, I could see, see him getting a couple more. Exactly, as physically fit as he is, I can see this guy playing in the league for quite a long time. It's funny. Did you see the whole Twitter thing? Speaking of this MVP voting, first of all, I love how we didn't get a vote, which no hard feelings to the NBA. But you think LeBron James should have been unanimously chosen? Oh, of course. And I love how our good friend Dan Lebatard is the scapegoat, or was. Yeah, it was that, that was a funny prank he played. Because everyone, yeah, essentially, everyone thought yeah. it was him. But, every, but yeah, people I'm, are like, this guy is a Miami guy. He's a, kind of biased Miami guy. It makes no sense. Unless it's just straight trolling, which, I mean, I got nothing wrong with. But. Yeah, because uh, May 5th, he uh, tweeted, I remember seeing this on my uh, Twitter feed, too. He said, Melo was wrong. And just immediately, it's like, yeah. like, sparks on dry wood, literally blown up. Yeah, I mean, the guy from the Boston Globe, who's a good NBA reporter, so he's not like a hack. But, yeah, you know, Gary Washburn of the Globe. Yeah, he said that, you know, Carmelo wanted because they deemed him most valuable, which, I mean, there is a case to be made there, but Carmelo also missed like 25% of the year. The Knicks played kind of well without him because J.R. Smith had that, went on a tear. And all, and but he was all again. He was also hurt. And uh, yeah, no, Zach Lowe of Grantland's got a had a tremendous piece about that whole thing. I thought it was good stuff. I mean, ultimately, does it matter? Not really. But it should have been unanimous. You hate when people are uh, degenerates like that. I was gonna say, as much as much hijinks as like even we would pull, I don't think I would even not vote against LeBron James, especially for that. I think it was. Two months when he was shooting like sixty percent and in averaging, he's doing like the most Malone numbers. Exactly for for a small forward, incredible. Right. All right, another interesting series that is going on tonight is the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors. And quick audio clip for the fans uh, featuring our boy Mark Jackson and interesting comments that he made after the game two win. But uh, offensively, I mean, I said I got the greatest shooting backcourt that's ever played the game. And uh, call my bluff. <laughs> now, everyone has been talking about that that sentence. And especially with the way Clay Thompson and Steph Curry have been playing, that could, it could be right. I mean, are you surprised how good this team has been? Because you said, cause I said put them on upset, put Nuggets on upset alert because Golden State is just fast-facing and can play up to the Nuggets' tempo. But to think that they could easily be up 2-0 against San Antonio, a team that I thought would go to the NBA Finals. Are you surprised that Golden State's been playing this well? Absolutely. I mean, I really thought, I mean, uh, you know, with the Warriors, I felt that I didn't think they had a great matchup. But the Spurs, you know, the Spurs are that classic team, you know, veteran team. They know how to get it done. Golden State's an upstart club. But we also saw when San Antonio fell a couple of years ago to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies with Yates. But I really, but with this Warriors team, I mean, you know, with Mark Jackson's statement, he does have two incredible three-point shooters. 
and the at guard. I mean, Clay Thompson was unbelievable. Like he went for like what was it, thirty nine to fifteen? Yeah, they had him and Steph Curry in a game two win had fifty six of the team's one hundred points. Yeah, and they, they would have won. They would have won game one if Thompson didn't foul out. Yeah, Clay Thompson, you know, making his father the uh, the great Michael Thompson grand, I must say. Yeah. But um, and especially because uh, you know David Lee's been out, so and. Well, he's just an atrocious defensive player, kind of like uh, Tyler Chabaya. But, but, uh, you know, I have been very surprised. They've been playing. They have been, as uh, my good friend Charles Barkley would say, they've been balling, man. So they've been been sensational. And I think that they could, with the way they play, they should be up 2-0. And they could absolutely take out the Spurs. They've been been one fun-ass team to watch. You know what I'm saying, homie? I know. I'm surprised. It, I mean, it, it kind of gets depressing, though, especially because tonight's game could either be a very good thing or a very bad thing because with the NBA's format of seven games, and as good as the coach Greg Popovich is, he could – all it takes is to watch some of those two games and realize, okay, number 11 and number 30 are going to shoot the majority of the time. And if you shut them down, which – they started to do in game two with putting Danny Green on Steph Curry. Yeah. All it takes is one cold night from at least one of those two guys. And I and in the, in the Spurs, all they need to do is tweak the defensive things, and they could easily win the next four games, which is very sad because Golden State is, is, is proven these past two games that they can beat San Antonio. Yeah. And because I think the Spurs will win tonight unless – but the only thing Golden State will win is because they come out and they completely blow the doors off the Spurs in the first half. And if they do that again, if they keep doing that, then they'll win the series. But I think I would be surprised if San Antonio yeah, wins. They're playing tonight in Oakland, which is a – that crowd, that is an awesome crowd. And when they're rocking, man, they are. Because remember, they, when they, that crowd was going nuts uh, when they took out your Mavs if you, uh, years ago. And yeah, it was a great Baron Davis. But that crowd was going nuts, and then you had, you had Darren Williams, or not Darren Williams, uh, Baron Davis had that destructive jam of her, I forget whom, in the second round. Oh, of the crowd. Kirilenko. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was Kirilenko. Cousin, I mean, was, Derek Fisher was on the Jazz. Mm, that's right. Which is a good match, because he had a good game the other night. He did. They're a very fun Golden State team. Greatest, what are your thoughts on uh, Jackson's comments? Greatest shooting backcourt of all time. I mean, you know, because when you think about it, because this took me at least two days. I started posing this question at least two days ago when he said it. And I was thinking, asking my asking my brother and his roommates, if and they kept naming players. And there would always either the gray area would be a small forward, because you look at you have good front courts, especially how uh, our good friend Bill Simmons on his Grandland podcast always talks about, especially when he interviewed Larry Bird, he's saying the '80s and '90s is really dominated by big men. So you have yeah. these you have the great front courts, you know, like Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale, and then Primo Digibar, Will Chamberlain. Uh, so you have all these great front courts but you never necessarily have good backcourts. Because when you say, oh, like Stockton, Malone, Malone was a power forward. Or yeah. I guess Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, LeBron James is a small forward. Because we also, it's, uh, I agree with them and I disagree with them. I agree with them because, yes, yeah, statistically these guys are pretty much the two hottest shooters right now in the league. But you can't say they're the greatest of all time. Because Clay Thompson's a rookie. And Clay so Thompson's been in the league for our second year. Yeah, for real. So, so I went, I went, so I did some research, and I radio research, and I found two other groups of guys I think could be a little better than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. First one is um, 0506, Steve Nash and Raja Bell. I think this is the year that Steve Nash won his second MVP. Uh huh. And they end up losing in the conference finals to my Mavs before they end up losing to the Heat in 2006 NBA Finals. 
These two guys combined for 23 points and both shot over 43% from three-point range. And yeah, but Rajabil made Steve Nash better for the increases assists. Because that, that was a very good Suns team as well. It had Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Lando Barbosos in the mix. Yeah, well, that was a, I believe that was after Joe Johnson went to Atlanta, correct? Yeah. Yeah, but you got to also look at the volume of the shooting. I mean, how many three balls did Roger Bell shoot? I mean, come on. Exactly, he's a spot-up shooter. And uh, the second one, also what, uh, because there's some, a couple of some from modern-day times as well. I guess you could say Joe Johnson, Darren Williams. Not great shooters, but I don't even say that. But one that one I found I think is the best of all time is um, Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan. Of the 95, yeah, 96. Steve Kerr was like a six-man, though. Steve Kerr was? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, our good friend Ron Harper was uh, their uh, the point guard. Starting point guard. Because Steve, because both those guys, that was an MJ, that was like one of the 72 games. And Steve Kerr was shooting like 52% from three-point. Yeah, this guy could like. He's a cracker. Come on. This guy could not miss. And then MJ was averaging like 30 points a game. But I don't know. But as of now, yes, those, those two are a very fun team to watch. And I, I think San Antonio is actually stunned because they can't win. They can't get their act together. It takes all the way to double overtime, which was a fantastic game. It was fantastic because NBA loves when it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Other series, the other two series that are going on. Uh Grizzlies and this OKC Thunder. I think Memphis could win this series. I picked them to win the series. Because Russell Westbrook went on um, KLCO in Oklahoma City. You know, it was being very optimistic. Was, was listening to the interview, he was very optimistic, despite, you know, he's out for the entire postseason. And it just seems like as soon as he's gone, everything is put on Kevin Durant. He even Chuck is yelling at the bigs of OKC, how like Serge Ibaka and Kendrick Perkins are doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, but Kendrick Perkins hasn't done anything since the Reagan administration. I know, right? That was even before I was born. Great. But time, what does Oklahoma City need to fix? Because a surprising, not really, I guess, post-playing of Gasol and Zach Randolph is the only reason why they're carrying this team. I mean, Tayshaun Prince is so old. Yeah. And then he has... They have Mike Conley, who's just, eh. And, but with the Grizzlies, though, they're such a strong and a, such a physical defensive team that they can grind down Durant. So they've got some excellent defensive guys, like Tony Allen, for example. They could grind down Durant because Oklahoma City now, without Westbrook, I mean, everyone's been hating on Westbrook the last few years because they said he doesn't know his role. But without him... Oklahoma City's been a little stagnant on offense, a little over-reliant on Durant, and they need Kevin Martin to find his game fast. But um, Oklahoma, uh, Memphis has got the better big guys. They, I, I took them to win the series because I did not like how Oklahoma City closed down the stretch against Houston without Westbrook. So I think that I think that Memphis will hold on and win the series. Pull the yeah, because that one's collapsed. Another team that really grinds out games is um, the Pacers. As the renewed rivalry of a uh, Spike and Reggie Miller uh, yep. is a new addition with the Knicks getting pretty much embarrassing game one before finally shaping up their acts as Jaron Berman threatened to burn down the garden they played so bad. Then they're winning 105 to 79. And man, that fourth quarter they had that was that was incredible that the Knicks had. They were just Unbelievable. I'm getting going. By the way, great scheduling by the NBA. No no games last night. Like, come on. Why was that? It's such random Thursday, too. Yeah, I'm, what I'm thinking is that they want to stretch those games out to where if it does go seven games, it would go into next weekend. That's what I'm guessing, so they can have a you know maximize the amount of ABC games in this round. That's what I would guess. But even still, I just like I mean, really you can do. Like, uh, like, yeah, ABC gets the finals. They need to you know be patient. 
Why do you hate on ABC? Easy on one, the Ameri- To the American Broadcasting Company. They are. They are. Easy as one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Also, also as easy as my ex-wife. Uh, yeah. We left in Atlantic City. Yeah, we won't go there. I don't want to. I don't want to get arrested again. Yeah, bad, bring the bad tidings. But with um, that, that gets to this next Pacers series is much like the Miami Chicago series. A lot of physical play because watching the games for the Pacers, they're like the best defensive team in the NBA. They're stacked. They are. Opponent field goal percentage and points allowed. Yep. Which which makes me really confused how George Carl won Coach of the Year. I voted for George Carl. Did you? Uh, I mean, I think it's... But of course, then again, it's based on the season. The Nuggets lost like three games at home, which is more than American won at home. That's a, that is a lie. How many home games did we win this year? We we won more than three home games. Stop. It was very close, though, because we lost to San Francisco. We lost to Army. Well, I know we beat Navy. We beat Holy Cross in an amazing game. Lost to Lehigh. Lost to Bucknell. Beat Colgate. Okay, we won three Patriot League games at home. So I saw the, uh, the immortal. I saw the immortal Tony Roblicky today walking through the hall. Legend, American hero. Well, I still think it's going to get his uh, minutes reduced as he probably was having a very interesting coaches meeting. So now, as the NBA playoffs second round wrap, it comes. Yeah, I can't really say who advanced. It's just too much, too much to tell. If the Spurs win tonight, they'll probably win the series. Because game three is, is usually everything. Which would be interesting if these series were five games instead of seven. Because it gives you more of a like NCAA tournament-like atmosphere. Like, Bill Simmons' thing was, was cool. The fact that he wants like, like the play-in games and the, yeah. the major four major teams get a bye. If these series were cut to five games, because you're ultimately giving San Antonio a second chance by having four games left or five games left or how many. I think it should be like the FIFA World Cup, make a group play. They do have the Olympics. Yeah, and it's awful. And it should not be by wins or losses. It should be point by point differential. I can see that. That, uh, that, that, how, the, that how the seedings work? Or just who advances? Who advances? Yeah, I can see that. Point no, differential, like, 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 when, like when Miami won by, like, 40. Yeah, they they essentially automatically advance. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a terrible idea. Awful idea. I was gonna idea. say, I keep full keeps full signaling back to just a, a pretty average idea. It could get it could better. Get better. Woman. It could get better with tweaks. Well, you gonna stay with us for the second half of the show? Uh, I think I might have to. All right, we'll take a quick music break, and when we come back. Uh, the great John Gardner will join us on the show and talk about how uh, Sir Alex Ferguson retiring from Manchester United and what this means for uh, sports as a whole. But okay, right. Keep it locked here on Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. Fanatic Radio. What's wrong with that? He fought for his country. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Lock Talk Radio.
Fanatic Radio, Blog Talk Radio's premier sports music program, Olive Garden, Ben Florence. Like what I did there at the uh, the intro song. What? The intro song to Stacy's mom. Give a shout out to all the mothers out there. As Mother's Day is this Sunday. Anything uh, special yeah, you get your mom for? Hello. What? Huh? Uh, never mind. Anything anything special that you got for your mom for Sunday? Well, I'm going to get her a a gift card to get a a manicure or pedicure or one of those bizarre things. I think she actually might have gotten one earlier. I don't know. But I'm going to get her. I was going to go with my sister to go get the card, but apparently they were going to go anyway. So I'm going to try and do it tomorrow. I don't know. I, I hate gifts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a card with a card with a thousand words. That's what uh, my brother and I have always learned. Is we have continued to buy our mom a card, and that's pretty much it. Well, you just get a card. No, because well, this is the first Mother's Day I think in a long time, or maybe ever, that both of us are not home to celebrate with her. Because usually, by, usually by this time, uh, I'll be I would be back in Dallas right now. Yes, because last year we we last year we skyped you, right? And John Gardner is on the show. He said hi to the fans. Hi, fans. Yes, he says hi. Because uh, we skyped you last year, in a spa. What? All right, yeah. So this year, this is the this first time uh, we saw. What? Who's this clown? This is the great John Gardner is on the show with us. 
Because he's going to help you know explain. Me that, bro. What the hell? I know, right? You uh, uh, separated at birth, like uh, in Star Wars. Okay. Or or Cliff Paul. Yes. The commercials have gone way out of hand, though. They're funny. They're funny. Well, we, know, well, we, know, we know what your problem is with this. What? I'm not going to say, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, anyway. Um, he is our, John Renner is our main soccer expert. As, once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there from FNAC Radio. Presented by Radio U on Block Talk Radio. I'm going to play you a, a two-minute clip from fans about um, reactions from famous soccer players that have played under a man named Sir Alex Ferguson, and we'll get into more detail for those who don't know who this is. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that uh, I'd, I'd spent so much time being so successful at a football club as Man United over this last 30 years. Just been magic. All down, Alex. He's... Yeah, he's a kind of genius. Now he's nearly 70. He works for players, with a player there, 18. Now they live in another world. And he can deal with this kind of people and take 100% of them. I think he's got to be down as the best now. Uh, no, no danger about that. You just look at all the trophies he's won, the amount of teams that he's rebuilt to be successful again uh, at Old Trafford, the way he's brought young lads through the development programme. Uh, he's got to be the best manager there's ever been. He's probably on his sixth team now. I'm pretty sure he's done five. So to get through sort of one or two teams and be successful and keep winning trophies is an achievement in itself. To, to get onto your sixth team, still in with a great chance of winning every competition you're playing, is, is a magnificent achievement. Let's face it, Man United have been the best for so many years now. That, um, everyone wants to beat them, whether you're playing at Old Trafford or whether you're playing at your home ground. So for them to continue winning uh, is a great credit not only to the team, but the man himself. I think what Alex has achieved in the game uh, is really second to none uh, in terms of club football. Um, he's peerless. To play for him, you have to have and be a certain type. And if you can't stand up to him, then he knows that you're not strong enough to play for Man U. I'm still afraid of him now. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I, I think it's just one of them people that you can never quite read. You know, you could one day, could be brilliant laughing, come in the next day and... I don't know, something's upset him. You might have upset him and, you know, it's just, I think that's just a strength in him, really, that you just never quite know what you're going to get next. As a young kid walking into his office, you know, being scared of him, being, you know, in awe of a manager like him, wanting to play under him, he gave me the chance to play for my dream club. He never feels like he's got to the top of the mountain. He always feels like he's got to go further and higher and it's incredible, really, as a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, the club needs to keep him, you know, as long as he can. He needs to stay as long as he can. Since, since Alex has come, he's, he's just altered, altered the whole the whole thing, really. Just fantastic. So, 26 years, okay, basically the guy that spoke, it was Sir Bobby Charlton, um, Gary Neville, Gary Neville, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Eric Cantona, a couple of... Um, Alan Shearer. I thought Gary yeah, Neville died. No, Gary Neville's still alive. Oh, rest in peace. Um, and a couple guys from the BBC that got covered it. But basically, for those of you who don't know, Sir Alex Ferguson is, was the manager, which is head coach, is like a head coach. Yeah, head coach. Okay, like, please, don't make me sound like an idiot. Head coach for Manchester United, which I think to this day is the most successful monetary club team. Team, yeah, it's the most... Yeah, it, it accrues the most amount of monetary funds worldwide, which is more than more than the Lakers, more than the Dallas Cowboys, more than the Yankees. This this they're a two billion dollar enterprise is what Manchester United is. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. We've seen them play. Yeah, they're amazing. We met the guys. We met the dude. We met the Strauss person. He's twenty three. He's, he's a head coach, man, a football manager for twenty six years. Eighty six is his first year, and then he's just retired. Yeah, he's just retired. Who's the guy taking over? Uh, David Moyes, the former Everton manager. Is this guy going to keep Manchester United or on the, on the current winning streak they are, are they going back to the dogs of like the 70s? I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I'm a Man United fan, I hope. 
They can maintain their current glory and success. Yeah. Why is not Man United fan? Oh, of course I'm a Man United. You're not a bandwagon. I love Man United. I love Man United. They're they're the side that I've supported my whole life and have been a very average supporter of Man United. But I feel it'll be interesting to see David Moyes will bring something different to the table. I think at first people will be, I'm sure, disgruntled and if not concerned that he's taking, you know, because Charles Ferguson's retired, that he's sort of taking away from the tradition and what he's brought and established at the club. But, I mean, it, is, it isn't football, it's a business. And I think David Moyes understands, you know, where he where he comes in to play um, in the business of Manchester United and in the in the league. And I think he understands the tradition and history that the club holds and will hopefully uphold it. But it'll be interesting to see. It'll be in, it'll, the first couple, I would, I would venture to guess maybe the first two, three years, if we give him two or three years, it'll be pretty... It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I think it'll give them two or three years if they if they keep him for that long, to sort of as a feeling out process. And then by then he should be able to sort of work out the kinks and figure out what direction he wants to take the club in. So he officially takes over. What's going on now? What's the first thing Manchester United will play? Because the uh, the league is over, right? They won the title. The league's over. They're out of the Champions League. I I want to say it'll be the well they if they've won the league, so it'll be the Community Shield which is the winner of the league and the winner of the FA Cup. Which I think is this Sunday. No, the Community Shield at the beginning of the no, year. No, the FA Cup. I think the finals is coming up. Yeah, but Manchester United is not in the finals. Well, I know, I'm just saying. They'll play that winner. Right, they'll play that winner. Which uh, I think Gus Johnson's going to be on the call for that. You serious? Yeah, yeah he, he, works with, he works for Fox now. I tell him, Flo. Works for Fox. He does soccer games. Oh, my God. Which apparently he started. He, the first things he started was uh, San Jose earthquakes, and then because now Fox bought the rights to, well, because he's on Fox, he got fired. He left CBS. CBS released him, and he started oh, doing. Uh, not release him. Like, Stop. He left on his own accord, pal. Yeah, because he started. Cause he started doing Fox uh, NFL. I saw Fox on um, NCAA football games because they always have the prime like Pac-12. Okay. I do stuff with with Fox, and then he did the Pac-12 tournament. And so, because now Fox Soccer Channel is more into uh, Fox Sports One, he's doing soccer games because the World Cup's going up to the twenty, I think twenty sixteen. No, twenty fourteen. No, twenty fourteen is in Brazil. It's ESPN's last. The next twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen and twenty yeah twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two is going to be on Fox. Yeah. Well, he won't be the main. He won't be the main guy, obviously. But that's Maybe. Yeah. Hello, G. Have you ever heard of Manchester United? Yeah, the soccer club. Have you heard of Manchester United before? Oh wait, was that directed to me? Yeah. Oh well, well, obviously, obviously, our guests would know who who this team was. I know who the team is. I played FIFA, pal. <laughs> who was your favorite Manchester United player throughout the years? Um, you know, you almost got to say Wayne Rooney because I mean, hey, who else? Who else is balding and still producing like he is? Well, he has earplugs now, so he's like not balding anymore. Yeah, but he still looks like a dope. Looks like a typical saucy British lad. Okay, uh, uh, who are some of the guys? Some of the guys I know. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who is arguably one of the best in the world. Legend. He came over from he came over from what Porto, no, sporting sporting Lisbon. sporting Lisbon, and Great pretty much pretty much made a name for himself in Man U. Yes, yes. And, and now he's in Real Madrid. Did he play for the United as well? Exactly. He was all known for a year. <laughs> but no, Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne, yeah, Wayne Rooney, uh, the great, the uh, great your boy Chicharito, who I cannot stand. I think, I think, the best way to put it is, if you can think of many of the great players that are in the world that have played for Manchester United, they've all started. They're really sort of the prominent of their prominence of their careers at Manchester United. Like I was saying, Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham. Back in the eighties, uh, yeah, Dwight York, uh, Andy Cole, because those guys come for twenty six years. That's more than you and I, Ben, have been alive. More than my brother has been alive. That's the, well, that's the big one. 
Yeah. <laughs> what about but her? I, that's um. I think I think he's coached longer than Andy Hurst. Andy Hurst is what twenty seven. 27, 28, 40, nobody knows. So when Andy Hurst was born, Men's United took a chance on a little old guy from Scotland to uh, to change the face of a franchise. They'd be like, because he's been there longer than most. Because Greg Popovich has won his 17th year at the Spurs. Uh, Jeff Fisher got fired two years ago from the Titans, and I think he was there for 12 years. Yeah, yes, I believe something like and that. He was he was then the long longest long term football coach. I'd be interested to go back to see like how long Don Shula and like Chuck Knoll coached their teams. Yeah, Don Shula was there for like twenty five years, I think. Yeah, this guy is like the Don Shula of soccer, right, John? Yes. Yeah, that'd be a pretty that'd be a decent comparison. Because looking at looking at BBC article, the number of trophies this guy has banked. Is astronomical. Like that word, SAT word, right there. Kind of, like, kind of like you with the club team. Exactly. I mean, I've only been there for you know two years. And we're reaping in all the benefits. Yeah. But um, just to put it in perspective, of 26 years he's been there. The Premier League, which is like the league, it's the it's top, the highest division. Of in English football, the highest division. Would you say of the world? Are you, are you a believer that the Premier League is best in the world? I think so. Okay, so the best soccer league in the world. Better than the MLS. I don't think it's better than MLS. It is better than the MLS. <laughs> this guy started in 86, and he has won it 14 times in the 26 years. So he has almost, a, yeah, more than a 50% uh, winning percentage of winning the league. The FA Cup, which is every single team in England, right? Duke's out. Duke's out. A chance to win. Yes. Okay. FA Cup. He has won that. Was that five times? Five times. Five times. What's the League Cup? It's the. It used to be the Carlin Cup. It's the the top divisions play against each other. Okay. Uh, he's won that four times. The Champions League, which is the best team in Europe, he has won that two times, and then a bunch of other Shields Cups. You know, stuff you find at a container store. See what I did there? Make fun of your. Uh... Anyway, so what is this John? So John Gardner, what is this guy? Twenty. Uh, I think he's in the seventies now, isn't he? What does this guy have on the impact of soccer? Because you gave me a statistic yesterday saying Real Madrid, who is sort of uh, a club that rivals uh, Manchester United in terms of like money and success and spending all the euros on players. You say they've been well. This guy, well, this one guy has been coaching. Real Madrid has gone through how many coaches? Twenty-four. Twenty-four managers. Twenty-four managers in the time he's been in charge, including my boy Jose Mourinho, who's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Exactly. So what? Just in long term, that uh, that proves everything. Flo, <laughs> could you go on for coaching for twenty-six years? Absolutely. That's what I'm doing right. right now. That's what you're going to do with the club team, right? Look, 20, well, 26 years, that means I'd be coaching this club team until I'm 40. <laughs> and I would just, I'd, I'd, probably get a, I'd probably end up getting a restraining order from the school. For what, touching kids? No. <laughs> no. I, uh, actually, no, because some clubs, some club teams have, a, like, guys that are, like, old. So I could do that. 26 straight years. Isn't that like... Isn't that, well, isn't that to live in D.C.? I have to get a job in D.C. Hey, John Marcus gave me a job. The late John Marcus. He doesn't live in D.C. He lives in Baltimore. Ass. Yes. So I just commute. I'll be like 30 by that time. <laughs> but John Gardner, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, two things. One, uh, a lot of times when teams get new coaches, i.e. Chelsea and Liverpool... That they did when they did well, they did really bad, and you have the, uh, the British Britain's finest, you know, rioting in the streets until they finally got something right. Is this going to happen to Manchester United? Is this guy going to come in and the chemistry between your boy Ryan Giggs and Chicharito going to completely fizzle because of a new guy? I mean, it's it's tough to say because the situations were completely different. Those clubs that Michael just mentioned, Liverpool and Chelsea, I think Manchester United 
as an organization, I think is pretty while they've been stable for 26 years and they've had a, a, the same sort of setup and manager. I think David Moyes brings a pretty similar aspect and pretty similar like coaching style at Charles Ferguson. Even though I'm not comparing him to Charles Ferguson, really, I don't think anybody can be compared to Charles Ferguson. But he brings a similar style, and I'm sure it. it uh, Manchester United will probably keep a lot of the support staff that's been around for a long time and hopefully show them through the ropes. And I don't think I don't think they'll have sort of the self implosion and the the drastic drop off like the other clubs that Michael mentioned have. Because I was on especially in basketball when a cold coach leaves, he brings an entirely new staff in, much like uh, our Kansas City Chiefs when Andy Reid came in. I mean, I, I would assume there, staff. I would assume there'd be there's an interim period, and I'm sure. David was eventually bringing his own staff, but I'm pretty sure that looking at the way the Manchester United works as, a, as an organization, I feel that they would probably they're they're very traditional and they like to keep things very traditional. And I think they would probably consider keeping a majority of the staff in, just just sort of to keep with that tradition and just sort of to keep pace with what's going on. All right, let's get you out of here on this. We've met the guy, we have seen his team play, we've been to the stadium where his team has played. What has Sir Alex Ferguson meant? On uh, your uh, young childhood, on your life, especially as a soccer player. I mean, Charles Ferguson, I think, represents a lot of things that I probably can't put into words. Just in, the, just in terms of the amount of success he's had, the legacy he's upheld at a single club, he's he's pretty much untouchable as a manager. He's won literally every trophy possible at a club level. He's competed and been consistently... Uh, successful at probably many argue the, the best league, if not the top league in the world. Um, and he's done it his way, and he's been successful in his way. He's someone I think is, you know, it's it's she should be applauded for his success. And it's sad to see him go because of what he's brought to what he means for, for soccer and for the for Manchester United and for the club. But I think you know it's sometimes it's it's time, and I think he realized it was time and. Able to trans and hopefully you know they'll be able to transition and make the transition as smooth and as painless as possible. But for me, I think he represents a lot of of just everything in terms of the aspects of coaching and, and winning and being as successful as he has for so many years. All right, as a great Tupac Shakur once said, "That's just the way it is." Uh, well, congrats on graduating, um, by the way. Well, not yet. I graduated on the 18th, so we got a couple days. But thank you. All right, thanks for letting me crash to your place. We're here live at Jordan Mason. Anytime. All right, you can you can leave. Uh, that was Sean Gardner, ladies and gentlemen. Former George Mason talk about. Well, one more thing, one more thing. What is the name of the club that you will be working at this summer? Uh, I'll be I'll be working and playing for uh, Dulwich Hamlet FC, a summer professional club. Yeah, which is Premier League, which is the equivalent of a JV high school team. Actually, it's a lot better than freaking USL teams, which. Uh, I'll be making basically like gas money, maybe a couple, yeah, maybe fifty bucks a game. <laughs> Fantastic. John will be the first uh, player coach on that team. Like uh, like Jackie Moon, like in semi-pro. All right, of course we can. We have uh, to end the show uh, with uh, our favorite time of the day. And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and I'm just be keeping the funk alive. All right, fans, it's time for our quickly acclaimed segment. It is Tweets from Flow. We wanted to do Jaron Berman's rant, but do you want to hear the excuse, Flow, of what uh, Berman of the Post said, why he couldn't come on the show today? Why? He had, uh, let's see how long was he say? He said that he had uh, bar mitzvah duties, and so by that, by that, by that, he couldn't come on the show. All right, I'm gonna say something bad. Um, you might be, you might get mad at me, but I'm just gonna drop it. Don't drop anything. Letting him drop is a sick beat. You can you can Fuck. call him afterwards, but um, Fuck Jack. your Twitter. How, how's the blog? Been busy after school got out? Nah, I've been I've been a lazy ass with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you definitely did tweet a lot about the other uh, baseball parts we talked about at the top of the hour, which I think is is, is hilarious at baseball. 
America's pastime still has its wonderful flaws. Yeah, it's horseshit. Exactly. But um, you want to know your grades. You tweeted a couple of your grades. Uh, you're worried about the most came in higher than you expected. What was the final grade that Flo got? Uh, none of your damn business. Nah, I'm just uh, well, I got a few grades back. They're actually all in the A range, so there's that. You got all A's. Well, three out of five. And the That's other fantastic. two, quite possibly. All right, I got four A minuses and a B. And it's funny with the story of the B, because it's this class called uh, History and New Media. It's a half grad, half um, undergrad class. And it was probably the, the biggest joke. Not a joke, because it wasn't easy. It was the most tedious class I've taken in terms of the amount of work put into it with the amount of benefit I got out of it. Long story short, apparently we were supposed to make a semester-long project, which we sent our proposal on in February, middle of February. And so I went on the, our, our class website, and I looked at some of the examples of the final grades. And the all the examples I saw were basically YouTube videos on WordPress sites. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll pretend to make a website for AU basketball when they turn 100 years old, which is in 2016. So it's actually around the corner. And all the classes with the NASCAR paper I wrote, with everything else coming up under me, this is the last thing on my mind. I've made a WordPress site. I put about five or six old archive blog posts and some recent ones about the history of AU basketball. And I get this very long email after I turn it in and get my thousand word proposal. I get a very long email explaining how very disappointed my professor was in me for the lack of effort I put into it. And then I was actually pretty worried because I thought knowing a, a guy who was goofy as the teacher I had, who for for his sake I won't say, although interesting Damn. enough, he, interesting enough, he is from Cleveland. Cleveland sucks. Be with you, May, on that. He sent me, For as much hate as he sent me this email, I got a B. So that means I must have had a really good grade, which is funny because I did absolutely nothing in that class, which, well, I, 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 which I shouldn't be saying because my family listens to this show, but I got A's and B's, or A's and A, B. And another tweet you had was, um, you are a big fan of Rite Aid. Should we get Rite Aid to sponsor the show? Because you tweeted, uh, so it, it buy it buys one get uh, one free box of candy, three Arizonas for a dollar ninety eight at Rite Aid. Should we get Rite Aid to sponsor this show? Because Flo's call was dropped, as he obviously has had enough of the tweets from Flo. But it's fantastic. Interesting enough, we've made it through the uh, latter stages of this episode. And apparently this is the last syndicated show we have for our school year, which now officially will turn into Fanatic Radio Extra as B-Flow goes off and works with his congresswoman or councilwoman or councilman or something like that in Jersey. And I will go off to Canton, Ohio to work with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But uh, just one quick little soundbite that Mark Jackson said. Uh, offensively, I mean... I said I got the greatest shooting backcourt that's ever played the game. And uh, call my bluff. <laughs> so needless to say, he has the greatest backcourt, as we have uh, listened to it before. We have the immortal Steve Kerr and Mark talk about the Bulls. At the beginning of the show, Flo joins us to talk about everything else, which I'm surprised we ended up making the... Uh, phone connection work is the first time ever Flo and I hosted an entire show on completely separate locations but for all of us the Ready You program you can check out the podcast on iTunes thank I guess John Gardner and his wonderful roommates let me crash here for a week before he graduates congrats on him and all his senior friends that are heading off to bigger and better things as in the Sir Alex Ferguson players Talk about the legacy that this man shared, and for all of us, 
here on the Smack Radio B Flow 360 Network. George Mason by Radio Saigon. This is Fanatic Radio, blogtalkradio.com, saying have a good summer. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. Uh, as I will say this on the air, I love you very much in everything you do. And love the fans as well. And hopefully we can bring you some more content this summer. Until we meet again. Come on, everyone.